Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And if you think you're fired up about what we were just talking about, let me just tell you, I've got the perfect person joining the show today. For those of you out there, I can't wait to introduce you to Rebecca Costa. She is the author of The Watchman's Rattle, Thinking Our Way Out of extinction. Now, I got to tell you that there are more people that have given her kudos for this book than I can even mention. But I will tell you a little bit about who she is. She is a sociobiologist whose unique expertise is to spot and explain emerging trends in relationship to human evolution global markets and new technologies. So does unemployment have to do with survival of the fittest or not? She joins distinguished business leaders, Nobel laureates, scientists, innovators, and Pulitzer Prize winning authors from around the world to address growing concerns over dangerous threats such as global warming, pandemic viruses, terrorism, and failing public education. She is a much sought after speaker, a thought leader, and a former CEO of Silicon Valley startup, uh, Desire Advertising. But more importantly, she is here to take on a conversation about what we mean as civilizations and what are some of the ideas that come through as mistakes. What have we learned from our past that we're not paying attention to? And why is this civilization different? Can we think our way out of extinction? Or are we so self-indulged and have so many self-interests that it's hard to get a conversation on the table? So today, she is tuning in to the right show at the right time, boy, I'll tell you, because we've already started a conversation to talk about what are some of the thought processes that go on when we make decisions about mass amounts of people. And what I'm talking about is the controversy we've had for the past two years over health care. Uh, now the controversy that seems to be raising its head over unemployment in this country. We've let go of the idea that stemmed from 1992 where it was okay to fire people that were a year away from pension and kind of remove all the benefits that they had. And we did that without a grassroots movement in this country at all. Literally no protests to speak of. And so what is it that we can learn and why is this thinking our way out of extinction important for us to understand? And more importantly, how does it get the bottleneck out of important decisions that affect humanity? I call it a bottleneck. We could probably, I can't wait to hear what Rebecca calls it, but definitely we've got some crusty stuff going on out there. But does it make sense? Rebecca, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. It's very good to have you on board. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you missed the last half hour, but you know what? Uh, I, I think it was, for me, 
there are many, many conversations, and I just want to say this to you, and I want you to kind of take it from here. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you are going to give us some examples of past civilizations that, you, you know, followed along the path that we're on now, right? Mm-hmm. But I... I, I never understood, and, and I was one of these folks that grew up in corporate America. I actually am one of the stories that don't exist much anymore. We actually can start in a mail room and work your way up to an executive level like I did in the telephone company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, found myself in a really awkward position. Here I was, a senior human resource executive responsible for helping and implementing a downsizing program that would have let people go one month away from full pension and benefits. Mm-hmm. And I looked in the mirror one day. And I said, there isn't enough gin that I could drink on the planet that would enable me to walk in and fire these people. And I don't know what it was about me at that point in time in my life. Certainly from a strategic point of view, it was not a good time for me to do that. I was actually five years away from my own pension Uh and I was head of HR. Even though I took a stand, personally, I felt good. Did it really change anything? No, it stopped that one person from actually losing her job because actually found her another job. Did I then go on to a mass, two master's degree and a doctorate and study the effects of downsizing and repeal of psychological contracts and, and do research on that? That is beneficial, yes. But did that really stop anything? Not really. So today... In your area of expertise, and and certainly in the Watchman's Rattle, thinking our way out of extinction, there are so many questions, so many tipping points, uh, so many places right now that we could point to that will either take us to survival and thriving or take us back to extinction. And I wanted to ask you, how do you make sense of the current place we are right now? And well... You know, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to acknowledge that we are a biological organism. We are a living thing. Thank you. And and we can't get too far away from that one truth. Um, We seem today to be willing to accept that we've inherited maybe a predisposition for heart disease or cancer or, you know, other kinds of uh, physical maladies. But we've gotten so far away from understanding that we also have inherited genetic predispositions in our behavior. For example, if I see a snake, my body is flooded with chemicals to either kill the snake or run to flee. And those things drive my behavior. So one of the most important things we have to do in order to understand how public policy has become so irrational is get back to the basic fundamental question of what is a human being and what inheritance do we have that might be getting in the way of modern man today? Um, What kinds of things have we inherited biologically? What predispositions and behavior do we have that really kind of get in the way of having the best society and most humane treatment of one another that we are capable of? And so if you think about it in those terms, We've inherited some uh, behaviors, some uh, behavioral imperatives that get in our way, but we've also inherited some wonderful behaviors such as altruism and compassion, which can allow us to get to the next level in human civilization. And I think at the point at which we begin to acknowledge that some of that behavior is getting in the way, 
we can begin to see what we need to do to overcome those evolutionary obstacles. So, you, you know, we look at ourselves, and certainly what's happened, I think, is that the self-growth, I'll just mention this, the self-growth arena has never been more thriving than it is today. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, we're trying to understand how we work and mm-hmm. why we don't get along with each other, why our marriages blow up, why we fight with our kids, you know, why we can't sustain peace between North and South Korea for more than a couple of decades. We These questions are on everyone's mind. We're also a little bit stymied by all the complexity of our personal lives. Most of us don't know how to invest our money to retire. We don't know how our cars actually work. Um, and there are too many apps on our cell phone that we don't really want. Um, we're finding that we're sort of succumbing to complexity, and it's become very, very difficult to to exist, to survive. Uh, we were just talking about this, Rebecca, because this is so cool. We were talking about, uh, before you came on, we were talking about unemployment, but one of the things we wrapped up with was how the process itself has changed. And so we were commenting that, I, I, I was commenting that I remember the day that I had to actually walk down unemployment and actually get my check. Right mm-hmm. now, I'm not. But trust me, I'm not a dinosaur, so it's not that long ago. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. But today, yeah. everything is electronic, mm-hmm. and uh, it, you have to apply for jobs online. Yeah, you know, you're not going to write the letter and do that. And so you have to get online. You have to do your profile. You have to somehow make sure you tell unemployment whether the check is going to go in or going to go out. And a lot of people that are of a certain generation find this completely mind-boggling. Well, things that are uncomfortable for us, we want to remove the human component from it. So uh, in the same way that we now watch on television as bombs are being dropped, on foreign nations, Mm. we now electronically fire people. I mean, anything that's uncomfortable, we're bound to put some barriers in between so we don't have to feel, uh, you know, compassion or feel badly, guilt, whatever those instruments are that genetically cause us to act with greater compassion and understanding toward our fellow man. We we just have to remember that all human beings are a work in progress. Right, And we're not that far away from our ancestors who fought and scraped and, and, and defended territories in order to just have enough food and water uh, and to protect their young. And so the lower instruments of our genetic inheritance are always going to be rather selfish, narcissistic, and every man out for himself. And, you know, get remove any conflict such as guilt or altruism or uh, working for the greater good. Uh, the reality is we also have the higher instruments of our genetic nature. And we one of the wonderful things about being a human is we can choose. We choose at every point in time between whether we're going to appeal to our higher instruments, which is to be compassionate, to do the right thing for the greater good, or whether we succumb to the lower instruments that all animals uh, have built into their DNA in order to physically survive. Uh, so I want to ask you this question because I had this debate not too long ago. Where does doing nothing fit in? 
because uh, someone made ah, a, doing nothing we're gonna take, very important we're going to take a short break very important to survival doing nothing let me let me ask you this when we come back from break because you know there is this idea that you know what i'm not doing this i'm not contributing to uh polluting the planet uh so i'm not over here uh but i'm actually really cool because i'm like not rocking the boat right now i'm not really saying anything let's take a short break is there any power in doing nothing what does that even look like the watchman's rattle we actually have a copy of the book to give away rebecca costa joining us here let's take a short break we'll be right back with the dr pat show Remember, for our dogs and cats to live long and happy lives, just like people, they are what they eat. Wellness carefully selects wholesome ingredients to create food you can trust to provide the foundation of your pet's well-being. True wellness means every ingredient has a purpose in every recipe they make. You can trust the quality of all ingredients in wellness from their source to your pet's bowl. Visit wellnesspetfood.com to find a pet specialty retailer near you. Wellness natural food for pets. This is where true wellness begins. The average American spends $16 a day on food, and statistically, two out of three are considered overweight. With the Take Shape for Life program, you can not only shed those extra pounds on your way to living life at optimal health, you might be surprised to actually save money doing it. Talk to a Take Shape for Life certified health coach who's lost the extra pounds and listen to the passion in their voice and to the story of their journey. Call 877-520-SIMPLE. That's 877-520-SIMPLE. Results will vary. Talk to your doctor before starting program. Call for details. Are you tired of using skincare products full of unpronounceable chemicals? Eat ramen by candlelight to support your expensive candle-burning habits? Well, come on down to Scenic Supplies. We have everything you need to make your own soap, candles, creams, and much more. We're open from 10 to 6, 7 days a week. Come explore our store at corner of 63rd and Roosevelt, just north of the U District in Seattle. Call us at 206-525-7997. Find recipes and more at zenithsupplies.com. Reserve Vage Organics offers you the most advanced anti-aging product available. Our organic-based Reservatrol formula, brought to you from the heart of our exclusive vineyards in southern France, has been clinically proven to reactivate your longevity gene and help preserve your youth. By including Reservage Reservatrol in your daily regimen, you can enhance cardiovascular function, metabolism, mental acuity, and collagen production. If you want to regain your youthful radiance and enhance your longevity, do so with the world's finest Reservatrol from Reservage Organics. Why wait? Visit your local retailer and start the anti-aging process today. Reservage Organics. Committed to the extension of youth naturally. Available online at www.reservage.com. And at the Vitamin Shop, Vitamin World, Whole Foods Market. Visit Reservage.com and feel vitality today. Are you feeling stuck? Do you want to be free from fears and doubts and finally feel good about yourself, but you just don't know how to get there? Dr. Schaub's Accelerated Breakthrough Program provides you with the tools and solutions to go beyond your limitations and achieve self-empowered confidence. Call for your free phone consultation at 866-903-MIND. Visit CellularWisdom.com. That's CellularWisdom.com.
everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. We actually have a copy of uh, Rebecca Acosta's book. She is my very special guest today, The Watchman's Rattle. I have to tell you, it will make you think about the life that you have lived, the life that you're living now, and the life that you want to live, and what actual power you have in charting the course of how you live that life. At least that's for me. We're going to talk about many things uh, today on the show. We actually have one autographed copy to give away uh, to uh, you all out there, and I want to make sure we do that in plenty of time. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. Rebecca, thank you for joining us today. Before the break... Uh, but before we go on, uh, can you just let folks know how they can find out more about you? Sure. Uh, they can go to the website, www.rebeccacosta.com. There are videos and uh, book reviews, and um, there's just it's chocked full of information. I can't say enough about the web manager and how many things they've put on there that are really interesting, including lots of links to brain fitness tools and all kinds of things to help us deal with complexity today and being able to make better decisions, better choices in our life. And that's where, you know, before the break, I said to you, what about complacency? What about this place where you do nothing? Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and what I meant by that is, you know, you don't take a stand for this or you don't take a stand for that. But then when you finally do take a stand, you're taking a stand because you're furious. And that's actually what happened, I think, during now a couple of Paul's shows. And if you know Paul, you know he's a very mild-mannered guy. But he talked about some very controversial issues. And so the question then becomes, where does doing nothing fill in uh, or fit in to our evolution? Well, it depends on what the strategy was of your prehistoric ancestors. Mm. Um, and, and first of all, let me talk about complacency and anger. Okay. If you had a choice between complacency and anger, if you select complacency as your strategy for survival, you are basically uh, choosing to eliminate yourself as a target. You basically realize that the targets are going to be the loud people making all the noise. They're going to get attacked. And if you duck under the radar, your chances of being attacked maybe are lessened. If you look at uh, bonobo monkeys, you'll see that there are monkeys that make a lot of noise and the alpha male or female comes over and uh, pushes them around a little bit to get them to calm down. Whereas the quiet members of the community, they don't, they generally, in general, don't alarm the alpha males and females and don't incur any wrath. So, their strategy is to get along well and not to create, any, not to paint any targets on their back. But if you think about anger as a strategy, anger fills your body with chemicals and juice and gets you off the couch and motivates you. So certainly complacency isn't going to get you out into the world and get you to do anything. Anger is a great motivator if you think about it. And, and so for people who are action-oriented and, and who came from ancestors who were quick to fight and quick to take action, uh, their reaction is probably to, uh, like a puffer fish, puff themselves up with anger and go out there and fight. And that's how they survived. Um, buried in all of our DNA are predispositions that we inherited from our ancestors, which allow us to survive 
uh, potentially um, a difficult situation. Uh, let me give you an example of Oprah. Okay. Okay. Um, now, I happen to know this because I think Oprah and I probably came from a similar tribe. It was the tribe that was really good at identifying high-calorie food. And, uh, and also, when we didn't have to fight or go look for more food, uh, we were really good at laying around and conserving calories, which were very hard to find in earlier times. We were really good at conserving calories when we didn't have to fight or look for more food. But when now that I've inherited these predispositions that allowed my ancestors to survive, remember in biology we have winners and losers. So the winners of my tribe were the people who captured high-calorie foods and laid around the best. Now, in modern day, that really works against me. In earlier times, I would have had to find five dump trucks of apples. Remember, there were no orchards, so I couldn't even find them. But if I could find them and I ate them, I still wouldn't be morbidly obese. Today now, I still have those predispositions, but all I have to do is eat a Twinkie a day and lay around on the couch, and I'm going to become fat. So buried in each of us are these predispositions for behavior whether they're anger, whether they're to lay around, whether they're to be a high-calorie-seeking missile. And when we deny the fact that we are predisposed when we were born into this world to behave in that way, we deny our genetic inheritance. And we come up against problems that we then think reflect our weak character or our weak will. And it's not a simple matter of weak character and weak will. We are not born blank slates. Now, is that to say that I should not go to the gym or I should avoid donuts when I could? Absolutely. I can make those choices. But let me tell you about myself. When I do occasionally cave in and eat a greasy donut, I forgive myself immediately because I know that I'm going to struggle with that all the days of my life. When we take a look at the choices we make, um, what part of it comes from our head and what part of what part of the choices come from our heart or is there a predisposition for both of these two to operate together sometimes for our benefit and sometimes not sometimes for our benefit and sometimes not <laughs> you know given the fact that 90 over 98% of your and my DNA, our, the, the human genome has been broken down, and over 98% of your and my genetic material is exactly the same as the bonobo monkey. Exactly. It maps perfectly. So I've got less than 2% of me that's better than the choices that the bonobo monkey makes. And, that, and where I look at, from my standpoint, the human animal is a noble and amazing creature. Because given only a 2% difference in genetic material, think of how often we are compassionate. Think of how often I do go to the gym and I walk past that greasy donut. Think how often we, we, instead of laying around and being apathetic, get up and kick ourselves into action. You know, think about the person who goes back every day and looks for a job despite knowing that perhaps their job skills are not what they should be and that the economy is in the dumper. I'm, I mean, we don't succumb to 98% of what we are programmed to do, and that makes us amazing. 
when we look at how amazing we are, and this is the this is I think what's on so many people's minds. We scratch our heads sometimes. Uh, at least I do. Scratch my head sometimes and say, "Wow, how did we get to that decision? Or how did we get to this point?" And I, I think sometimes that maybe I'm just not paying attention. That maybe somewhere along the line I've kind of fell asleep. Uh, many people say that because I'm this uh, eternal optimist that I tend really not to look at some of the uh, more pressing issues. Although if I look at them, there's something that I, I try to think about doing in a more positive way. But the truth is, is that all those issues you're talking about, mm-hmm. unemployment, stimulus package, health care, yep. you know, whatever issues they are, let's just take the, the ballot initiatives. Uh, on the in the midterm election, mm-hmm. they're so complex. Yes, they are. It's so difficult. You would need a month off of work and yes. four PhDs to drill down to source material to get to the bottom of what is really going on. And in my book, I use the example of terrorism. I decided because I'm a writer and I can take time to research these things. I decided that I would take, you know, a few months and try to investigate what was really going on with terrorism in the Middle East. And it turned out there were more than 46 separate terrorist groups with separate agendas, separate histories that are named, called out by our State Department. If you go to their website, they're all called out. It's very interesting that I, at the end of months and months of research, could draw no conclusion about any of these groups. The truth is things have become so complicated that it's very difficult to drill down to the facts to make a responsible decision. And, you know, it takes millions of years for the human brain to develop new cognitive capabilities. Again, we're back to talking about evolution. So a large part of what I talk about in this book is what can we do today if our brains are falling behind the complexity we're now creating in picoseconds. Let's hold that thought for when we come back from break. Because that is, you know, honestly, Rebecca, I mean, if we're struggling with this now, what is this going to look like five years from now, ten years from now? And how quickly have we evolved in the past five years to have it be so complex that an individual does not know how to fill out a resume and a job application. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. Rebecca Costner joining us here today. The book is The Watchman's Rattle, Thinking Our Way Out of Extinction. When we come back, we're going to find out exactly what we can do about this. We'll be right back. Disease, one of the most dreaded words in our vocabulary. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Did you know traditionally we have viewed disease as a degenerative process? Disease is better understood when we view it as disease in the human body. Disease means without ease. Health is not merely the absence of disease. It's when every part of the body works together effortlessly, relaxed and at ease. It's that relaxed state that lets energy flow in waves through and around the entire body. Every organ has an electrical charge. And when overcharged or undercharged, disease occurs. And it is an effort to go through our day. With CRA, we are able to determine the exact disease of the body and design a specific solution to correct the nutritional imbalance. Contact us at 888 777 4232. That's 888 777 4232. And visit us at MaryJaneMack.com. 
Welcome to Rubenesque Yoga. We offer yoga classes at retreats that focus on relaxation and rejuvenation. You do not need to be a marathon runner or bend like a pretzel to attend our classes. Rubenesque Yoga's retreats are held at the beautiful Wild Iris Inn located in Lacana, Washington, where you will enjoy a weekend of relaxation, yoga, and shopping. Please visit yogaforplussizes.com for more information. That's yogaforplussizes.com. Meet Kevin. I was 60 pounds heavier than I am now. I was at 35% body fat. I was depressed. I was miserable. Then Kevin consulted Seattle nutritionist Bev Kinblade, who made some adjustments in his diet. It wasn't some fad diet. It was solid nutrition. My metabolism improved drastically. My energy shot up. My self-confidence, self-esteem was life-changing. Find out about a free 30-minute nutrition appointment with Bev Kinblade at seattlenutrition.com. seattlenutrition.com. Reclaiming your fearless nature with the Net Bingham is about giving you the encouragement and tools to explore who you truly are and then to fearlessly move towards reclaiming it. This program will empower you to become proactive in your own journey to power. On the show, we will be exploring any tool that will help you take back control of your wellness. Topics might include all types of energy work, vibrational healing techniques, connecting with nature, body work, and much more. Tune in each Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time to reclaim your fearless nature with Annette Bingham. That's Tuesday at 5 p.m. right here on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Ladies, are you living an inspired life? Do you yearn for a more passionate, dream-filled life? Here's Linda Joy, founder of Aspire Magazine, and she has a gift for you. Aspire has launched its Mission to Inspire initiative with a commitment to give away 100,000 one-year digital subscriptions to women around the globe. Every subscription comes with a multitude of free gifts from our team inspiration partners. To claim it all, go to AspireMag.net today. No purchase necessary and live an inspired life. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I have to tell you, for those of you out there that are seeking knowledge and to want to get an understanding, and this is me, I I love Rebecca's book. And there are so many things in here that she has helped clarify because, as she she said, she is a writer. And so she could take a look at things uh, in ways that most of us think about. And and I actually don't know how she got it all in this book. Uh, but we're going to talk about some of the things she discovered and talk about some of the solutions, what it means to invoke insight uh, and much more. But I want to just make sure that we actually do give a copy of the book away. Uh, do we do we have any left? We are okay. Great. A one eight hundred nine three zero two eight one nine one eight hundred nine three zero two eight one nine. We would love to give one of you an autographed copy of the book, Rebecca. This is uh, I love speaking with you. I, I mean, there are so many things that we could talk about that, that we're probably not going to get to today. I hope you will come back. Absolutely. Because I've often wondered for myself. 
um, you know, why, it, why am I doing what I'm doing? Uh, you know, there's a story that goes with how I got on radio. I dialed the wrong phone number and so forth and so on. Um, why did I go back to school? And you and I talked about, you know, sort of me having a predisposition for, for learning and knowledge. And someone said to me the other day, you know, I know why you're so good at doing radio. And I thought, wow, this is going to be interesting because I hadn't thought about why. They said to me, and this was one of the folks that were on my show, they said, you really wanted to know what I had to say. And I said, you're absolutely right. I love everybody that comes on the show. Mm -hmm. I love to hear their perspective. And that's the way I feel about talking with you. Because you really did challenge me to think about things in ways I hadn't before. But folks listening to the show want to know, okay, how can I, Rebecca, how can I find the best of who I am and and work my way through some of the complexity here? Well, when we're overwhelmed with complexity, you know, Mm. think about the human brain. It can only acquire new cognitive capabilities in million-year increments, but we're generating new uh, financial vehicles, um, new ways to process food, new ways to uh, clean your water, new ways to wash your clothes, new apps on your cell phone, new features on your nav system in your car. I mean, we're overwhelmed with complexity right now. I just recently, I went to the store and there were, I counted 26 types of milk. Soy milk, 1%, 2%, acidophilus, non-fat. Uh, I, I mean, it, I, I looked and I thought, I stopped for a moment and I thought, on what basis do I buy milk? I mean, what facts do I really have about milk? I don't. I, I, I buy 1% because somehow I think it's better than 2%, but I have no real facts about it. Valerie and I, were shaking our head. I know. So I put it in my cart, and I think it's a good decision. But I, I know that I'm basing it all on belief. So what happens to us and what has happened to civilizations before us is that when the facts become too complex to absorb, we then begin relying on beliefs. And by beliefs, I don't mean religious beliefs. No. I just mean anything unproven. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of, of beliefs. So we believe that our banks, our money is going to be in the bank when we make a deposit. Um, we believe that when the cr- light turns green on a crosswalk, the uh, cars are going to stop and it's safe to walk. You know, we believe when our kids go to school, they're going to come home that afternoon. I mean, we have a lot of beliefs, and beliefs are part of how human beings function. Right. But... When things get too complex and we can't get to the facts and we can't use knowledge, the knowledge we have to solve our problems, it's been demonstrated that human civilizations begin relying exclusively on unproven beliefs and hearsay and ideology to solve their problems. The best example that I give in the book are the Mayans who for 3,000 years knew that they had drought problems. And for the first a couple of thousand years, they built massive reservoirs and underground cisterns, and they used uh, rational, man-made solutions to try to overcome the drought. But as the drought got worse and worse and worse, and the Mayan people didn't understand climate change, they began abandoning all man-made solutions, and they began stepping up sacrifice. So at first they were sacrificing captured slaves, and then they moved on to uh, their own young men, then they moved on to women, and then children, 
And then during the last years of the drought, they began um, sacrificing newborn infants by throwing them off the tops of pyramids. Um, so there is a, if we look at human history, we see that prior to collapsing, things become too complex. They can't solve the problems that they have, so they begin moving them from one generation to another as they grow in magnitude and peril. And eventually they completely abandon all rational solutions and they rely exclusively on belief. So the first sign before collapse is gridlock, becoming paralyzed by the complexity that of the problems we have to solve. And then the second is a shift toward ideology, beliefs, and hearsay, mysticism um, to cure our problems. And we could see that same thing happening to us today. I don't think anyone would argue that we're not gridlocked in Washington, D.C., but it's not just a Washington, D.C. problem. Mm-hmm. We're gridlocked in North and South Korea right now. The, mm-hmm. You know, we're gridlocked all over the world. Take the United Nations or any government, even the Chinese government, has reached some kind of an impasse. So this is not a United States problem or a right. Democrat or the Republican problem. No. Nope. This is a humankind problem. It's a biological feeling that we've hit and that we've gone as far as the cognitive abilities we've evolved to this point will allow us to go. Now, if that's true, then the problem is to catch the brain up to complexity. And for the first time in human history, since humans have been on the planet, we're able now to put skullcaps on our head and look at our brain and what it does when it hits problems that are too complicated for it. This started many years ago when NASA was trying to evaluate how many planes that a air traffic controller should be allowed to monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew there was a number, a, a, a discrete number of planes, and they found that within a very small tolerance range, there was X number of planes that were ideally suited for an air traffic controller to monitor before which he would start, you know, uh, letting the planes crash if he added more to them. So they knew the number was under this limit. And now we can put skull caps on people and we can give them increasingly complicated problems and eventually they peter out. They hit some ceiling. But every now and again, and it's a rare occurrence, a small part of the brain called the ASTG lights up about 300 milliseconds before we're going to have an amazing breakthrough Mm. and we're going to solve a problem way above our pay grade. And here is the amazing thing. This phenomenon occurs in all human beings. This is not nurture. This is nature. There is a third form of problem solving that's different from the left brain logical problem solving and the right brain synthesis form of problem solving. And it's called insight. And we now have photographic images of what happens to the human brain. And we can now even have gotten so far as to being able to predict when someone's going to have a breakthrough. The interesting thing about an insight is it comes out of nowhere. It's making a novel connection between information we have in our head in a way that we've never done it before. And suddenly we have what we call an aha moment. Yeah, where we turn around and we say, oh, I know what we ought to do. And everyone looks at you in the room and says, how would you come up with that? Exactly. And here's the wonderful thing. You don't know how you came up with it. The sensation is it came out of midair. There's no steps to trace. 
You really don't know. Now, if we think about it from a historical standpoint, there are lots of examples of Newton, of, of uh, insight. Mm-hmm. Think about Newton, the apple hitting him on the top of the head. Right. Or Archimedes getting into the bath and watching the water spill over the edges and coming up with displacement theory. <laughs> I mean, these are legendary tales. But what we've never realized before is that this is a capability that all human beings have. Well, now, we may not all come up with the, the you know, the uh, theory of gravity. I'm not saying that if you have no physics background, you're going to come up with a big solution in physics. You can, you're limited by the content you have in your brain. But the one thing we do know is that these novel connections to solve highly, highly complex problems are going on every day. And, you know, this is part of one of the, 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 the point, what I call the points of recognition of the power of who we are. And, you know, it is a place that you're referring to that I love this conversation because nine times out of ten, at least for what I think most people do, is your peers, your loved ones, your fam- my family especially, if I get an idea, they want to know that I've thought, some people want to know that I've thought it through. Nine right. times out of ten, I have not. It is it's like, spontaneous. It's, but you know what? Sometimes I have to like make up a little story around it yeah. because people do not trust this thing you've just talked about. And I want to talk to you about this when we come back because this is such a powerful place to be. How can we reach our listeners to help them support this notion? Because I believe you're, you know, what you've just shared is also the next breakthrough for humanity. What if all of us were to be in that moment, that insight? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. If the right, to find on the road. Are you taking too many oral pain pills and concerned about side effects? Are you having trouble getting to sleep because of the pain? Well, I'm Lou Paradise. I had the same problems you have. Cured my pain, eliminated pain pills and their side effects by developing Topperson Pain Relief and Healing Cream. Topperson relieves pain without side effects. It doesn't burn, it doesn't smell, and it doesn't stain. But don't just take my word for it. Doctors, pharmacists, and pain specialists are using and recommending Topperson and ending the suffering for thousands of people just like you. We know you're hurt. We want to help. We're so sure Topperson will work for you, we offer a money-back guarantee. So if you want pain relief with no side effects, ask for Topperson or call 1-800-959-1007. That's 1-800-959-1007. Topperson, the last pain medicine you'll ever need, and you can sleep on that. The average American spends $16 a day on food, and statistically, two out of three are considered overweight. With the Take Shape for Life program, you can not only shed those extra pounds on your way to living life at optimal health, you might be surprised to actually save money doing it. Talk to a Take Shape for Life certified health coach who's lost the extra pounds and listen to the passion in their voice and to the story of their journey. Call 877-520-SIMPLE. That's 877-520-SIMPLE. Results will vary. Talk to your doctor before starting program. Call for details. Are you tired of hanging on to things in your life that hold you back? Get ready to reclaim your fearless nature with Annette Bingham. Annette has been a catalyst for helping people achieve maximum results. Known for her breakthrough approaches, she will assist you to unleash your true power. Her unique distance healing techniques have been empowering people globally. Get ready for a life-changing event to step into your fearless nature. For more information, visit AnnetteBingham.com or call 432 770 
1-800-273-4062. Now is the perfect time to learn Tai Chi and Qi Gong. These ancient Chinese healing arts, also called mind-body practice, are simple to learn, clinically proven to be effective, and can be practiced by anyone, anywhere, at any time. For 10 years, the Institute of Integral Qi Gong and Tai Chi has been a respected leader in mind-body practice training. Visit iiqtc.org. Empower yourself, empower others. Visit iiqtc.org for more information on my body practice. iiqtc.org. Do you ever get so frazzled you find it difficult to function? Many people are experiencing more stress and fear than ever. When we react from this place of fear and stress, we end up damaging relationships and creating more grief in our lives. Lynette McKenzie has a solution for you. The Energy Emergency Toolkit. Ten easy tools to go from frazzled to fantastic in five minutes. Visit OpenLiveNow.com and download your free Energy Emergency Toolkit and go from frazzled to fantastic now. Now that I've lost everything to you, you say you want to start something new, and it's breaking my heart, you're me. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I believe that we have... Uh, Given away a copy of Rebecca's book. Rebecca Costa is my very special guest. The book is The Watchman's Rattle, Thinking Our Way Out of Extinction. And, you know, we're talking about one aspect of, of what she's written about. And certainly I could do an entire hour just on the topic we're talking about right now. But I want to encourage you to go to her website, which is RebeccaCosta.com. And there's lots of information. Also, you can get this book pretty much everywhere. Rebecca, it's so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. So before the break, we were talking about insight. And I I want to continue this conversation because you also talk about in the book awareness and action. And I was sharing a story with you that has actually been the story for most of my life. I will tell you that that I have these moments where I get these ideas. And people have said that I'm the luckiest person on the planet, and I attributed most of the things, you know, that have happened for me to luck until recently. Mm-hmm. But even in, in launching what we've launched, I, I, I've made it really clear that these are thoughts, these are insights that came to me, and I attribute them to a higher power, to whatever it is you want to believe in. But I didn't sit down for hours and cognitively say, blah, 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 I'm going to do this. So let's talk about this. this That's this. right. Insight doesn't work that way. Okay. It's, sponta- it's a spontaneous connection of information that you content you've loaded over the entire period of your life. It's connecting those dots in an instantaneous way. In other words, your brain has this capability of eliminating everything that you've ever experienced or known and connecting only the important facts to solve a problem or to come up with an idea. And it's, it's an it's a incredible streamlining process that happens spontaneously. Now, it is so cognitively taxing for the brain to use this form of problem solving that we're seeing early evidence that the brain starts shutting off auxiliary distracting functions. It almost has to save up for this surge or this burst, so to speak, 
of being able to use this third form of problem solving. And so this, is, this might explain why it's very, very rare that we have an insight. We all have them, but they just don't happen every day. So the real key that people ask me about all the time is, well, how do I induce insight on demand? How do I have it all the time? And, and, I, and I wish I could give your listeners the, the secret to that, because if I knew, I'd put it in a bottle, and I'd be a millionaire, and I'd be using it all the time myself. <laughs> But we know so little about insight. We only know that it's a natural phenomenon, that it's a third form of problem solving that's ideally suited to highly complex problems. And we know that we can, that there are certain parts of the brain that become activated and certain parts that begin shutting down prior to the occurrence of an insight. And we also know that certain cognitive exercises help the brain to function better, just in general. For example, the Mayo Clinic has done hundreds of studies on brain fitness tools that have been developed. They're like little video games that have been developed by neuroscientists such as Dr. Michael Mersnick at UCSF. He has a company called Posit Science, P-O-S-I-T, and he offers a suite of brain fitness tools. And these brain fitness tools have been demonstrated to increase our memory by about one decade's worth. Now, I know there's lots of arguments about scientists. Well, maybe it's not one decade's worth. Maybe it's just six years' worth or eight years' worth. But I'll tell you right now, I'll take one year's worth. You know, any improvement I can get in how my brain copes day-to-day with all the complex problems and new technologies I'm getting, I will take. In Jacksonville, Florida, we've now administered brain fitness to 23,000 students about 15 to 17 hours a total of brain fitness uh, before they started school. And we've now studied these kids for about four years. And these children now have twice the academic achievement of children who were in the same school, and the only difference was they received no brain fitness prior to the start of school each day. So we now know that these tools help us, help our cognition and will help us to be able to make better decisions, better choices, and catch us up to daily complexity. I want to ask you where imagination fits in. And the reason I bring this up is because um, I've been thinking a lot about what you and I talked about during the break. And one of the things that I could point to if I go back in time, how fascinated I always have been from a very young age with what we call science fiction or paranormal. I mean, you know, I go back in a lot of years talking about this, but I had a fascination with them. And whether it was the old Godzilla movies or whatever it was, there was a place that I felt very comfortable. And I still to this day, what is the relationship of imagination to insight? Well, if there is one. Well, I think I think the answer is we don't know. Okay, You know, you have to remember that I'm a nonfiction writer. Yes. I can't. I can't make things up. <laughs> so when, when, we, when we fall off the cliff of what's known, I'm the first to say it's an interesting idea, and I hope that someone will go figure that out, and somebody will figure it out. But today where we stand, the relationship between our imagination, our ability to come up with new ideas, our ability to solve highly complex problems, these are all things that are unknown. You know, from my standpoint, 
uh, I am very comfortable with the unknown. Um, yeah, you know, I am too. Many, many years ago, uh, we thought that if you had leprosy, uh, it was, you know, a curse from the gods. Mm-hmm. We didn't understand how leprosy worked, and we didn't understand that it was a physical disease. There's lots of things that we don't understand today, or we can't prove. But it doesn't mean they're not real, and it doesn't mean that we won't come up with an explanation at some point in time. So when people say, well, is the paranormal real? You know, um, how does imagination work? The answer to that is today we don't have any evidence to prove how that works. It doesn't mean it's not real. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, it's uh, something that we can't depend on or can't explain at a later time. Well, and, you know, for uh, for so many people today trying to figure out how to thrive in uh, the complex world, there are some people out there that uh, are at this place where it's almost impossible. And we have so many different you know, situations in in our lives right now. Some people look at the, you know, young folks being classified as ADD, ADHD, and you and I could probably do a whole show on that. Rebecca, I want to thank you for joining us today, and I want to ask you one last thing. What is your personal message for folks today? What did you? What would you like to leave us with? My personal message is, is that we're all up against complexity that's greater than our capabilities, but there is something we can do about that, and that something is, we, we must try to catch our brains up by using what's available to us, what knowledge we have today. And I cover a lot of that in the last third of my book, so mm-hmm. I hope that people will go to RebeccaCosta.com and get the book, watch mm-hmm. the videos, and see if that might help them overcome some of the the impasse that they may be feeling today. I hope that folks listening to this show will do that. Rebecca, thank you so much. It's been great having you on. I hope you will come back. I absolutely will. Thank you so much. You bet. And I want to tell everybody for more information or if you've missed any part of today's show, you can go to the drpatshow.com, our website, and the archives are up there and they are free to everybody out there. If you have not signed up for Call to Connection, to become a pay-it-forward angel and receive close to $30,000 worth of gifts and prizes, which we'll be raffling on the show, please go ahead to do that. Also, why don't you pay it forward to a friend? There is nothing for you to buy. And once you sign up, you'll get a pay-it-forward angel certificate in the mail. Also, watch the five-minute video that, um, that, I was, uh, that I created in the spirit of believing. Until next time, I hope all of you have heard something that will help you change your day for the better. And for the most part, change someone else's. We'll see you next time on The Dr. Pat Show. Try